morning. All right. Let's talk about life in the body. Uh, what I'd like to do is make a couple of comments up front, and then I want us to work together through this. So I, this is really the fun part of what we do when we study the Bible. And this, hopefully this can be an exercise in helping you maybe take another look at how you study the Bible uh, or how you work your way into understanding what's going on. Uh, application of truth is where really we begin to grow and understand what's happening. And it's really easy, okay, it's working. Um, it's really easy if we're not careful to stop before we actually apply the scripture and say, what does this mean to me? I mean, it's great for me to tell Dave and Ellie and Luke, okay, you need to love each other. You need to really work at this. Well, great. What does that mean? I love him. I love these guys. I, you know, they're great. I've seen Ellie with hair. I remember that. It was a long time ago. And then I saw him a couple of years ago. He had a hat that had hair on it. And we put all of us, all the deacons did that without the retreat. Uh, you know, I, what does it mean? How do you quantify those things? Let me ask you this, honestly. You don't, don't respond, please, but you don't, do you want to grow spiritually? I think most of us here would say, yes, I want to grow spiritually. And people say, well, if you do this, you do this, you do this, you'll grow spiritually. And that's fine, but what I want to know is how do you know that you're actually growing spiritually? Well, I read my Bible every day. That's fine. I know heathen that read the Bible every day, and they write great commentaries on this stuff. I read them. They're on my shelf. I just don't take their applications. So doing something in and of itself does not make you spiritual. So how do you know if you're growing spiritually? That is, that, that's the aim of the game, right? We want to grow in Christ-likeness. So what we need to do is figure out when it says love each other, what does that look like? Am I doing that? If I'm not, I'm in disobedience. Now, big giant caveat, everybody does things differently. And that's where I really like this. Uh, is it working? Click. Yes, there it goes. It jumped it. Application is where your uniqueness shines in all of our diversity because you're going to think of different ways to express love and concern and care and unity and encouragement and all those kind of things that will be different from what I will do. And that's because I'm 54 and you may, you're under 30, Dalia. You know, way under, way under 30. We will do things very differently. Chris is older than I am. He's old as dirt, I think. But, uh, you know, his experiences with Moses back in the day will color how he does things. So we need to figure out what works, what, what, what do I think of when it's this? And as long as it matches the principles in Scripture, showing love can look very different. It's not a one-size-fits-all thing. But application is where your uniqueness shines in the midst of our diversity, which is a great, great thing. The challenge is to be obedient. And that requires thought. And that's what I want us to do tonight as the lights come down and I create ambiance without even trying. You didn't know I had that power, did you? I can do all sorts of scary things. That's my wife. <laughs> Most of the time I don't know I'm doing them, but that's okay. It requires real thought to obey. Most of us do not passively do right. It's not natural. We have a sin nature. Your salvation did not deliver you from sin. I was thinking as Deb was singing, you know, we'll cast aside this robe of flesh and we're going to rise and meet the Lord in the air. And I'm sitting there going, yes, I've been fighting plantar fasciitis for about four months now. It's driving me nuts. I don't even think about it a lot of the time, but then all of a sudden it just grabs my foot. I'm like, go! I'm really ready for this to go away. 
Okay, I remember when my mother was living, as long as I can remember, she suffered with bone diseases and things like that. She was plastic and metal from the hips down almost. We tease her she was the bionic woman because she had so many joints replaced. She was ready when the Lord called. She was ready for the Lord to call before she died. Okay, we struggle with things. Doing right, especially in difficulty, is not a natural thing. So we've got to think about So here's my pitch before we get into this. This is just kind of my overall, see what you got here. Give me 15 minutes and I will change your life. I'm not Tony Robbins or anybody like that. But give me 15 minutes and I'll change your life. Here's what I mean. Most of us, when we're faced with a problem, react to it, we kind of respond, and then we move on. When in reality, if you would park and think, you could work your way through it. And so I tell someone, give me 15 minutes, I'll change your life. Sit down and stop for 15 minutes. And think through it. And what I tell folks when, you know, when they're sitting across from me is get a piece of paper, start writing it down. Whatever it is, write it down. Scattergram, you know, whatever, make a Venn diagram. I don't care. Put the ideas down. Capture what you're thinking so you can look at it and work through it. Spiritually, that's a great exercise. Okay, I'm wrestling with, you know, whatever it is. Stop and write down. Work through it. I'm trying to do this better. Stop and work through it. Think about what's going on. Again, you know, we, we looked at these things this morning. They're all commands. You realize that means you're supposed to do this, right? So you have to think of ways to do it. You know, in honor, prefer one another. What does that mean? How do you do that? Well, I'm going to prefer. What, what does that mean? You can look at the dictionary and see. You know, it means valuing people more than yourself. Now we're getting somewhere. How do you learn to value other people? And then we get into the fun of how, how can we really do that? But it's not going to happen if you're not thinking. So I want to challenge you. Put your thinking caps on. Let's work through some of this and enjoy what we get to do, okay? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to try in my wonderful handwriting to capture some of the ideas, and we will put them back out on Facebook this week on the, on the page so you can go back and look at what we've discussed, and hopefully we can you know, get some good out of it, okay? The goal is to be done by about 5.30, which is 30 minutes according to this clock here. I think that's the right time it is, okay? I know the what's in the Bible people are right on time, so we're in good shape. All right, let's talk about unity. We talked about unity this morning. We need to be of the same mind. We need to be working together, same cause, same philosophy. I think we kind of understand that one a little bit. Uh, That will be harder for us to discuss. So what I want to do is talk about giving the same care. How do we show care to people in the body? Let's ask this first. What kind of care can we give? What can we do as a church family when people need care? Okay, that depends on what care means. So that's going to depend on your frame of reference. So what can we do? What kind of care are we trying to give? What do we do? Help me out. This is the awkward silence before somebody decides they're finally going to talk. Gary Peake, what kind of care can we give in the church family? Okay, there are times when people will need physical help. Uh, when someone is laid up, when they can't do things, uh, they may not be able to care for their home or their yard or something like that. That's an idea. What else? What kind of care can we give? Dave, I mentioned this morning, you know, we have singles. I'm not singling them out, bad pun. Uh, but when you think of people who need somebody to be around, and they, oh, they're around people all the time. Yeah, not really. <laughs> you don't know what they do at work and things like that. Uh, a lot of people would love to have someone's attention 
Just somebody to talk to. That's a good thing. It's something most anybody can do. And Dave is right. You need to focus on people while you're doing that. Empathize. Hurt with them. That's showing care. You may not be able to do anything about their problem, but just the fact that you're sharing it with them can be a real big deal. What else? I thought I saw a hand over this. Brittany? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's not a contest to see how many people's hands you can shake in the morning. I mean, it's great if you work the room, but the truth is if you spend a lot of time on two or three people as opposed to hitting 30, you, you may have made a better investment that way, and that to them shows a lot of care. There are a lot of people who do it. What else? How can we show care? Yeah, I, I, nobody's, nobody's kids are in here. They're not going to be offended. Parents, how many of you would really like a real date night? Just no, no worrying with kids, no anything like that. How many? I, it's okay, really. A lot of you probably would. <laughs> you know, I watch all the young moms. I, I think, yeah, I'd really like that. That is a way you can do that. That is, that is a great way to help, you know, taking care of somebody else's kids. Uh, it's not always daytime. It may be they need to get to doctor's appointments and things like that. Uh, they may have a sick child where that can't leave, but they have to go do something else. One of the things I love to watch is the conversations on Facebook. I see ladies throw things up, and, and you know, people are just right at it, going at, well, I can't do this. You know, they, they switch around, do things. And it's a great thing. It's really neat to watch how quickly folks respond. That's a great way to show care. What else? Some of you are gifted in certain ways. I know it, Paul. Exactly right. <laughs> Well, that's true. If you look at the verse, uh, 1 Corinthians twelve twenty five, why do we do this? So that there may be no division in the body. We ensure unity by caring for each other. I know some of you ladies, you're probably not even thinking about it because it's natural to you. Taking meals when people have needs, providing fellowship times at your homes. Those are great ways to show care that a lot of you do. You know, that could fall under the hospitality thing down there, but you know, I look at it and think you open your home. I hear people talking about, oh, so-and-so had us over. And I hear the same three or four names having different people in their homes all the time. That's a great way to show care and concern in the body of Christ. That, you know, well, I can't go and be their, their, you know, their professor, their this, their that. You can bring them in, be nice to them, feed them, you know, have their kids in. It's a great thing. That's it. What else? How can we show care? Yes, ma'am. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Grace groups are great for that. Uh, you know, but as you see people who have needs, that is, that is one of the best things you can do. And honestly, telling people you're praying for them, uh, that's, a, that's a great thing. Fiona? Yeah, social media can be used well. It's not all an abomination by any stretch. Uh, You can use that. And that's a great thing. Somebody's thinking about you long enough to send you a text. Oh, it's just a text. You know what? It's better not get anything at all. But it does communicate. Uh, You know, somebody's in the middle of something big, just a quick shot to them. Hey, I'm praying for you, asking the Lord to make things go well. That's a real encouragement. Really can be, especially if you know that person is struggling or just really under pressure. That's always a great thing. What else? Anything else? Yep. That's that. That really makes an impression when you come up and ask somebody. Hey, you know, you mentioned this prayer request. What? How'd it go? How is your mother? How is your son? How is, you know, how did this turn out? That really says something when you do that. You're actually taking time 
People appreciate that. They may not remember it right away, but it makes an impression. It really shows care. That's a great idea. What else? Anything? Bethany? Yes, it can be inconvenient to care for people. But the reward, we're influencing others for Christ within the church family. God can use you to minister grace if you will extend care to people. And that's, that's what we're here for. If we're going to give the same care one to another, we have to think about it. We have to find ways to give that care. Your way of doing it may be different, but you need to be thinking through that. How can we do that? Okay, let's look at love for a minute. Uh, remember Romans twelve ten says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Uh, that idea of devotion is you know, developing a mindset, figuring out how to do it. Now, it's in contrast, because in verse 9, it says, don't let love be with hypocrisy, okay? So let me ask you this, just to get you started. We're not supposed to be hypocritical in our love. Just say, well, you know, I love, love, love everybody, but in reality, you don't. But yet, I'm telling you, you need to develop love for people, and you're supposed to do it because you're supposed to do it. What's the difference? Because it sounds like I'm telling you to be hypocritical. What's the difference between those? Is it okay to do something just because you're supposed to do it? Yes, it's safe to shake your head, yes. Obedience is what we're supposed to give. Did your children always obey with the right spirit when they were younger? Or did they just obey? More than likely, they just obeyed because they were in fear. (laughs) We learn to love. We learn to do those kinds of things. Yes, ma'am. Okay, yeah, being selective is hypocritical when we're told to love all the brethren. I would say it comes down, anybody have another idea? I would say it comes down to motivation. Why are you loving people? Hypocritical love is normally looking for something in return. You either want to be seen or you want that person to love you back. So you find the cool people you want to be around and you love them because you're doing nice things for them and boy, they'll think you're great. Where when we're told to love everybody, that's hard work. And, you know, I, it's not going to be an easy thing, but practice makes perfect. We love people because we are supposed to. We learn to love just like you learn to ride a bicycle. You start doing it. Again, self-love is the natural state of man. We like us. We want to care for us. We want to do things that make us feel good. But when it's somebody else, and we have to overextend ourselves perhaps to show that love, that's difficult, and it is not easy, and we have to actually practice that. We have to learn how to do that. Uh, So how can we cultivate that kind of mindset? How can we learn to love people? That's a little tougher. How do we learn to love people? Okay, you have to spend time with people. You have to get to know them to find out what needs they might have so that you can show love in a way that's meaningful to them. What else? Grace? Yeah. Over and over again, you see in the New Testament, especially with Paul saying, hey, you you do this because of what Christ has done for you. You love people because Christ loved you first. Uh, Matter of fact, John comes out and says that we love him because he first loved us. See, that must be true. The lights are coming up, right? I score a point. 
How else can we cultivate a, a mindset that loves other people? Sarah? Yeah, somebody may come in really grumpy, and they may be hard to love, and they may be in incredible pain, and that's just the best they can do. And if you don't know that, you're going to make a snap judgment and decide that they're not worth loving. When in essence, they're really in need of love right then. That's a great point, Sarah. Uh, you never know. Uh, it's, it's always better to do the right thing and let the chips fall where they may, to use a vulgar illustration. Uh, but to look and say, you know, the right thing is the right thing to do. And look from their perspective. Gary? It's hard to have the big head when you're talking to God about somebody, isn't it? They're, they're not near as bad as you think when, when you're talking to God and all of a sudden you have to, wait a minute, Lord, you hear me say that, don't you? Maybe I shouldn't say that. Uh, several times, that's a, that's a normal thing I tell people, uh, especially in marriage counseling, if they're having troubles. It's really hard to stay mad at somebody you pray for. Unless you start an imprecatory prayer, then we've got to back up and fix that. Uh, personal experience, when I was in, <clears throat> let's see, my senior year, I'd worked with one fellow at college for all four years. And... He is abrasive, really smart guy, but just came across really cocky and just, I, you know, never angry. I just really didn't appreciate him very much. And then the summer after my senior year, I worked at the Wilds, and lo and behold, he worked at camp too. He's on the other team, so it was okay to hate him, right? Uh, I was a Hatfield, and he was a McCoy. But, you know, the Lord really convicted me about that over the, over the first few days we were there. Uh, and so I made it a point to pray for him and to to just spend time on him and found out he really wasn't such a bad guy. It's just, you know, can't help the way God made your face and some people's personalities are the way they are and maybe I need to change my thinking instead of expecting everybody else to change and make my life easier. Uh, and it, it is, when you pray for someone, it's very difficult to stay at odds with them and you can't help but learn to love them if you're asking God to show his love to them, because most of the time he's going to say, well, there you are, and you know it's a need. Why don't you take care of it? And we end up having to do that. That's a great, that's exactly right. What else? How else can we cultivate that kind of mindset? We're told to do it. We're supposed to show this. What else can we do? How can we do it? Concrete idea, maybe. Bethany. Yeah? Yeah? I, when you offer help or love to somebody, it can be rejected. I mean, somebody may stomp a little mud hole in your little heart. Uh, at that point, you know, we need to remember that Christ was rejected a whole lot more than we were and still carried out love all the way to the end. Yeah, you do have to extend yourself into it, uh, even if you're not comfortable with that. That's a good point. What else? Carol. Yeah, I, that, that's the one thing we, we, we need to keep in mind for all of this. This has got to be something that the Spirit does in our hearts. We have to change into this kind of love and care and concern and encouragement. It's not going to happen by itself. Uh, and you know, as we ask God to help us do that, remembering what we're doing is asking him for his grace to be obedient. Right? These are imperatives. We, we're supposed to do this. This is not an option, you know, today I'm going to be nice to Valerie, tomorrow I'm not because I'm just tired of it. It's not an option. We have to do it. So we ask God for his grace to learn to do that, to have the right kind of heart to do that. And then when you add that person into it to boot, you know, you're really asking God to change. And then as you learn to be loving and start doing loving things, whether you're vulnerable or not, whether it's, you know, what you exactly feel like and you're getting into it, as you change there's a, there are two words for that. There's a phrase for that. That's called spiritual growth. It's quantifiable. 
If you really change in the way you treat people, you're growing. And that's what we want, isn't it? That's what I want. I want to see me change. So I look and find out where I need to, and this is what happens when I think differently, when I do differently. That's when we're growing because we're changing and doing the things that we're supposed to do. And we do that over and over again. It will not happen overnight by any stretch. Practice, practice, practice. And you develop a loving heart. See, God wants it right there to sink in for a minute. Light's going down. Fiona, uh, God doesn't struggle with loving us. Isn't that amazing? He loves us perfectly all the time. Everything you need from him, he's ready to supply. Whatever hurt you have, God says, I will take care of that. I love you regardless. That's amazing. And in that strength, we know that we can learn to love as he loves because he gives us that grace to do that. Obviously. Let's look at encouragement for a minute. Uh, I, I will suggest one right away. I think we need to be concerned about spiritual relationships. Now, I don't, I, I don't mean you're walking around trying to take everybody's spiritual temperature. Uh, Hebrews 3, uh, verses 12 and 13, the writer says, Take care, brethren, that there not be in any, of, any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. So he's concerned that they're going to backslide or fall away from the faith. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, which means all the time because every day you have is that day, today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So the writer's saying, be careful that you don't develop a heart that lacks in faith, that's unbelieving. And the way he suggests that we do that is by encouraging each other. See what he says here? But encourage one another, he says, day after day. That's a relationship. So we need to be developing, encouraging relationships. You can do that husband and wife, do that within your family, but as he's talking here, he's talking to a group of people. We need to be thinking about ways that we can develop those kinds of relationships so that as we work together, we can encourage each other. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3 say that when we're together, we're to encourage each other with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody, you know, make music in your heart to the Lord. We encourage each other in worship. I, 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 okay, normally I don't hear anybody but me and Stacy up here because we both rear back and render, and I think poor Ellie bears the brunt of it most of the time. But there are some people around that I hear singing, and I stop and listen. Because I'm just enjoying somebody else singing as loudly as I am. And I'm always pointed away from you, but you don't hear it. But I hear you. And I stop and listen sometimes. That's encouraging to me. I like to hear the church family sing because you do a great job. And as you do that, it does encourage other people to worship the Lord. They participate. So when we get to the the message, they're, humanly speaking, we're more tuned in because we've participated. It's a part of what's happening. They listen better. You can't encourage people that way. That's part of working on a spiritual relationship. But individually, how can we develop those kinds of relationships? What can we do to help each other? And this, is, this gets a little more picky when you're talking about interpersonal relationships. But how can we work on those kinds of things? Or in what venues, maybe, can we work on those kinds of things? Yeah. This is an area we really struggle with. Honestly, all of us are perfect. We are great spiritual people. Or at least we put on a front that way, don't we? (laughs) 
Boy, we're, we got it together. When I walk in the door, I have the aura, the Shekinah. I have been with the Lord, and everybody can tell. We act like that, and we refuse to believe that we've, we can ever do anything wrong. And the worst part is, you know you're not, okay? And you're afraid to tell somebody else because they might find out. I bet you they already know. And what we lack is the love to get into a, 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 a personal relationship, a one-on-one, to try to encourage them that way. I can think of two people, I won't use their name, two people I met in grad school. We knew these two people were struggling spiritually. And finally, the Lord allowed me to deal with both of them. And in each case, they both said, boy, you know, we did it. We knew nobody else was thinking. And I finally stopped and said, wait a minute. We all knew. Every one of us knew that you weren't saved. You were struggling. It was hard. It wasn't like you were being a heathen, but we could tell. And, you know, I had the joy of watching them look at me. Really? And just, Wow. And they accept Christ because they're like, oh, yes, this is great. Nobody rejected me. They saw love and said, well, yes, I know I need this. Let's go. We have to work to get there, though, folks. You have to develop relationships. You have to decide that spiritual things are a part of life. This can be done in a mentoring relationship where you seek somebody out instead of them coming to you. Say, look, I just would love some accountability. I don't, I don't read my Bible like I need to. Would you check on me and make sure I am? You know, we struggle with getting to church, you know, each week. Would you call and remind, just, just, you know, send me an email. Hey, looking forward to seeing you tomorrow, whatever it is. We encourage that kind of thing. Might be a discipleship kind of thing, who knows. But the point is, we have to choose those kinds of relationships. Your influence will only go as far as you push it out there most of the time. Now, you do have to earn your voice, okay? Let's be real. You can't just walk up, so I'm not going to walk up to Martha and say, you know, we need to have a spiritual relate. Number one, that'd be inappropriate. But number two, you have to be in somebody's life to communicate on that level, which goes to the other things we've already talked about, learning to share love and concern so that you can build up the chance to talk to somebody. I mean, you know, for me, some of that comes vocationally. You know, Stacy and I, but that's what we do. People expect to talk to us. Why shouldn't they expect to talk to you? Why shouldn't someone in our church family feel like they could walk up to you and say, you know, can we talk for a second? Why would that seem so weird to us? When according to Scripture, this is kind of what we should be doing all the time. It takes time, it takes love, it takes concern. We have to be looking for people and helping. But don't you want that kind of depth in our relationships? I do. You know, a lot of us are friends and that's great. What else do we talk about? You know, I've talked to guys who say, boy, I'd love to talk with somebody spiritually. And I say, you know what? Start the conversation. Be the one. And I watch, and they do. Sometimes it's just remembering somebody has to be first, which goes back to you know, what Bethany said about being vulnerable. That's true. What if they say no? Try somebody else. But I think that's what we need. What other, you know, and, and again, day after day, this is a, this is a long process. As we work with people, please remember that whatever's been going on in their life took a while to get there. It may take a while to go away. Whatever in your life may have been there for a while, and it may take time to go. But we enter into relationships where we can encourage people. We choose to do those things. Make sense? I look at it and say grace groups. You know, you've got small groups of anywhere from 5, 8 to 20 on some nights, depending on where you're going and what's going on. You're hearing those people's prayer requests. You're doing those kind of things. You know, naturally, it'd be real easy. Hey, let's, let's get together for coffee sometime. 
and just work on a relationship. Okay, our fellowship groups, whether it's our young professionals or our young marrieds, our college folks, as we get our older folks together sometime, there are venues where you can find ways to develop relationships. We have to choose to do that. Okay, is it important? Yes, it's important. We need to be doing those things. We need to work together. Okay, last one. We're going to run through here. I think this will work pretty easily. Respect. Think about other people first. How do we do that? How do we do that? Uh, Somebody gave me a suggestion this morning, and I thought it was pretty good. I'm going to throw it out there, and if it bothers you, I hope it doesn't. It's, It's funny and it's serious all at the same time. Do you like coming into a room where there are a lot of people and having to walk all the way to the front in front of everybody? Everybody just thrilled with it. Boy, I love walking in front of people and finding a seat and all that kind of stuff. Here's a way you can think of people first. When you come in, if you're one of our regular folks, visitors, you sit wherever you want to. We're glad to have you. But if you're one of our regular folks, you know, there are some really prime seats up here toward the front that nobody ever sits in. They've got good cushion in them because they haven't been, you know, pressed on very much or anything like that. Now, I say, say, oh, come on, Mark, you're just, okay, no, I'm not. Let me ask you this. Did any of you notice there's a family this morning that showed up with eight children? Friends of mine, great people. Okay, they had four or five that had to come into the auditorium. We wrestle to find seats when everybody shoves themselves toward the back. And all these seats are up here up front. And we don't want to embarrass anybody by doing that. That's awkward. Now, there's a reason that we put gold ropes on on the chairs back there. It's so that we have those seats. And, you know, I'd turn around and the gold ropes are gone and all our regular folks are sitting back there. Now, there are needs where you need to be near the back for what I got that. I like to sit in the back is not one of those needs. <laughs> Sorry. You can sit on the back in front of the gold ropes, and that's far back. You can be a good back row Baptist that way. But that's a great way for you to think of other people. We have guests that come in. We have folks who need to sit in the back because of physical problems or they need to be available for their child. We had two moms here with newborns. They need to be back there in case they... Well, actually, I think Nora was in here with us. I don't, I don't, was Juliet in here? I'm not sure. But they need to be available for their children. Well, let's let them be in the back where they can do that. Isn't that thinking of other people first? It's, these, these work up here, we sing, we have a great time. Ellie hasn't bit anybody yet. I've watched him. He's never turned around and gotten anybody. I don't throw things at people. It really works out okay. And that would be a way for you to show love to people. You can put somebody else first. Think of other people rather than just yourself. And I'm not calling everybody heathens and you're selfish, but there's a reason that we do that. And when we you know, shove our own selves back there. It makes it difficult for us to handle people who show up because they didn't know where we were meeting. And, you know, they couldn't find their way over here, and then they show up, and great seats are up here, and, you know, we don't have enough space in the back. There's a reason we do that. That can be a help. I, I know that sounds silly, but that's a great way for you to put other people first. Just sit up front or toward the front. Okay, now, if you want the back front seats, get here early. Hey, we'd be glad to have you. But, you know, just because you're late doesn't mean you get the prime seat in the back that we're trying to hold on for somebody else. That's one way to do it. How else can we do this? How else can we think of other people first? Yeah, come, come in ready to be nice. Prepare to be nice. You know, you, that starts at home, right? You don't, don't be grumpy at home and then all of a sudden turn it on when you come here. But prepare to find other people to serve. Prepare to put other people first. That's a great idea. 
You know, come in ready to do that, looking for people to do that with. How else? How else can we show that we're putting other people first? What can we do? What can we think? What's going on? Bethany? Yeah. Wow, that's neat. <laughs> yeah. That's true. One of the things when I see visitors, one of the first things I ask when we have guests in the service, are you visiting with somebody? Well, any of you can say that, and if they're not, hey, why don't you come sit with us? That's a great thing, Will. Yeah. Yep. All of us can minister that way. When people come in, engage them. I mean, they're guests, be nice. You know, there are lots of ways to be nice. But that you're putting somebody else first by stopping from your friends or purposely not hanging with your friends and finding other people. That's putting other people in front of yourself. That's a great idea. That is. What else? Katie? <laughs> yeah, all the, all the audio stuff. Yeah. Yeah, all the audio stuff belongs to us. It goes out in the trailer. <laughs> the only thing stays is the pulpit and the floor we're standing on. That's about it. Here's something. Before you leave every service, make sure you speak to one person that you haven't spoken to previously. That's putting other people in front of you. You're taking a chance of being late to the restaurant or whatever. They may want to talk. and You may enter in a relationship and, you know, who knows how long they'll talk. But it's a great way to stop and say, you know, leaving isn't the most important thing. I'm going to find somebody to talk to. I'm going to target that person. I may run out and get in front of them. But that's showing concern and care. It's a way to be nice. Uh, one other thing, you know, we had talked about uh, not judging other people prematurely. Uh, we'll close on this. Uh, the last thing anybody wants is to be have something assumed. And it's the first thing that most of us do. Let me remind you of a verse, 1 Corinthians 2, chap, uh, chapter 2, verse 11. <clears throat> Paul says this, For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God, no one knows except the Spirit of God. Here's what he's saying. God's thoughts are way beyond your thoughts. You do not know what's on God's mind and how God is doing everything. That's the illustration. The instruction is you don't know what someone else is thinking just because you think you do. And that's where we err often by assuming we know what somebody's thinking. Oh, I know that's why they did did this because of that. Have you asked? If you haven't, you don't know. And when you assume it, you're automatically devaluing that person because you know what's going on and you really may not know what's going on. Even if it looks like it on the outside, it doesn't mean you know. So then we go back into all the other things. We ask. We, we reach out. We try to show care and concern. We don't assume the worst. We're not critical when we show up and see things that we don't think are right or whatever. We ask questions. We love people, we share, we're concerned. We find ways to serve them. Rather than thinking our own thoughts, what we want to do, we look and say, this person is important, I'm going to get to them. I'm going to find out what's going on. She's not withdrawn, she may be sad. There's a big difference between the two. You don't know until you ask. So we can't assume. So don't judge prematurely. Don't look at everybody else and just... Put your impression on that. Work into the life. Find out what's going on. Share that concern. Be a part of the body, not just running around doing what you think needs to happen. Use your gifts. 
but we work together to do that. And it is work, okay? That's life in the body. That's what we're aiming for. That's what needs to happen. As we grow as a church family, those are the kind of things, these are the kinds of things that people need to see in us. Let's rise to that call and let God make us what we need to be. All right? Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for all that you've done. We know we need to get going here, but we're thankful that you show us what we need to do so that we can get things accomplished. Help us to serve you well by serving others. May we show the love of Christ in all that we say and all that we do. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.